Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Like, can you imagine, like, just getting blackballed immediately? Like, like oh, Nicole Matthews is a complete bitch. <laughs> like, no one booked for her. <laughs> Nicole Matthews, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm all good over this end. Now, I believe this weekend is your return to wrestling for the first time since the World Court fire. Yes, 18 freaking months, it's crazy. <laughs> how does that feel? Like, is there, is there, I mean, you put, you put on Twitter that you're not putting pressure on yourself. Not at all, not at all, not at all. No, 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 no. I'm not going to be the best I've ever been or anything. I'm not putting pressure on myself to be better than ever. Nothing like that. I don't have a large Canadian destroyer seven times. It'll be fine. <laughs> but I, you know, I guess that you're in good company because I think everybody's coming back and going like, right, I've got to pick up where I left off. And, and if the match is anything less than five stars in the Tokyo Dome, then I should probably just become a milkman. Like everybody's in that frame of mind right now, right? 100%, 100%. What has kept you mentally sane outside of sort of watching wrestling and stuff during the last awful 18 months? Yeah, so luckily enough, um, I was able to keep my real job the whole time. So I was able to keep a schedule of like working 40 hours a week. Um, as weird as that is to say, luckily on that, right? But like uh, I need routine in my life. So I think I would have... It would have not been good for me if I didn't have that going. Uh, and even though like we were shut down our training school, um, I was able to go in with my husband and we were able to train uh, because we, you know, when you uh, start a new wrestling school during a pandemic, and <laughs> a very smart business decision on our end, for sure. You know, that, that didn't go sour immediately, uh, but we had a ring at a warehouse. So uh, we were able to train. Uh, quite a bit, the two of us at least, with a couple, a couple of the other trainers. Uh, so that kind of kept me sane. Uh, that was like my thing I looked forward to the most weekly. Uh, yeah, and just like watching the most wrestling I think I've ever watched, ever. <laughs> like I was wrestling crazy. I think yeah, we all just dug into the archives for a lot yeah. of time just to just to keep us to keep us going with your um with with your full time job. Did you? Like how consistent was that to normal? Were you, did you, were you working from home? Were you working from home before? Was there? Uh, so no, I wasn't working from home before. Uh, so we had like about two months where we were working from home and kind of got redeployed into other things. So like I work in uh, recreation and parks and rec and uh, just like the sitcom, you know, very similar to that. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but now you've said it and now I'm glad that you did. <laughs> It's a little too close to reality, that show, for my is liking. Is it really? Is it very... Is, <laughs> do we all know a, Ron, a, a Swanson in the office? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Lot, lots of quirky personalities for sure. And not that I'm like, yeah, I'm not like the straight person on the show or anything either. Right. Like I'm also a quirky personality there. Uh, so for a while there we were like, I was working from home doing my admin stuff, but also like at the parks doing something called park hosting, which was like basically being like, Hey guys, stay six feet away from each other, two meters away. It was terrible. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> just gone awful and it like it made me question what I was doing with my life quite a bit on those shifts um, but that was only a couple months and the rest of the time like we were able to you know like kind of do some like virtual programming and like yada 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 all boring stuff but uh <laughs> so yeah it was a lot different for sure and I was doing uh my supervisor's maternity leave at the time I'm like good timing to have a baby thanks a lot uh, so, <laughs> so I got to deal with like all that as well. So it, it was eventful for sure. Did you, did you even know there was a pandemic? It just seems like you were very busy. I feel like the pandemic was, it was just something that was happening around you. <laughs> it kind of, it made me busier. I feel like where I'm just like, okay, this is inconvenient for me now. You like world, you can stop having a pandemic anytime now. See, I found that because when we all moved back to, we all worked from home for a year and suddenly you Oh my God, that, a year. That's yeah, crazy. it was, it was and, and you know what, the pros being, it's good to hang out with my cat more. That was nice. He became a bit of a YouTube sensation through through the lockdowns. That was <laughs> nice. But oh my God, the, my work my work pattern just went out the window. Like I was just like, anytime there was free time, I was working in that space. And yeah, and I don't know whether, how, whether it was the same with you. I don't know how much with the parks and rec stuff, you just go, oh, okay, well, I know it's half nine, but if I get that done today, oh, if I get totally. now, I, I've got more time tomorrow to do other stuff. hundred percent. Like, so that, that's what I hated the most about working from home is that, you know, when you're working at work, you leave and then you're done. Right. And then that's the end of your shift and you do whatever. But when you're at home, so I was like working from home. And then for whatever reason, I swear to God, every effing day I was at home, it was like a four o'clock meeting until five, like the last thing we did of the day was a Zoom meeting, right? And then like my husband would come home from work while I was in the middle of a Zoom meeting. So I'm like, Sh like, shut up. I'm in the meeting. And it was just, and then it's like, okay, well, after that, there's stuff to do after the meeting, right? And I'm just like, what, what's going on here? This is awful. Like, I just want to leave. I can't, where am I going? leaving to like go for a walk outside then come back to where I was all day so yeah I wasn't I'm not a huge fan of working from home but I get why other people like it a lot uh one of the things you were doing when you weren't working weird hours and going for walks was of course as you said just watching a lot of wrestling and it's appropriate that that we we sit down today and prepare for your trip to Cultaholic Island where you'll be watching three wrestling matches that you have burned onto a Blu-ray or a DVD, depending on how posh you are, um, <laughs> uh, to watch whilst you are there. So three matches of some significance to Nicole Matthews, and we're going to go through them one by one throughout the podcast today. Uh, what would you like your first match to be, Nicole? Okay, so all the matches I'm picking are ones I discovered in the last 18 months during COVID while in my binge watching, okay? So they're ones that kind of like, made me happy to watch and I watched them more than once in the past 18 months and discovered them like I, I'm sure I've watched one of them probably previous but it's been at least a decade since I'd seen it so the first one I'm gonna go with is Sherry Martell versus Rockin' Robin uh from I'm just gonna get because the, they had a million matches from October 7th 1988 and it was in France wow. so 
I just like randomly was like, I want to watch some Sherry Martell. So I put her on YouTube and this match, it's like at least 15 minutes. And it's just hilarious. Like they're doing all these like fun Gaga spots. Like it's like memphis It's like a lot of humor, a lot of character and like a lot of really good fundamental wrestling, which like whenever people I think think of WW, like F women's wrestling, you know, there's that like era from the late eighties that people forget about. That was like really awesome. Right. With like Sherry and rock and Robin and like the glamour girls and jumping bomb angels and all them. And it's kind of like a forgotten era a little bit. So um, yeah, I was just kind of watching matches from then. And I'd, I'd seen glamour girls versus jumping bomb angels before. So I won't pick that one, even though that's a great match too. But oh, yeah. It's one, legendary. Yeah. But, but yeah. So like this match was like, it took me by surprise. I didn't, I wasn't expecting to see like some fun comedy and then like it going into good wrestling and stuff. It's, it's a lot of really like fun, clever uh, storytelling and bits and like spots and stuff like that. It sucks that there's a whole generation that that think that Sherry Martel was was a manager. I know when I was like that for the longest when I was a fan, I was like that. I had no idea she wrestled because uh, you know I was born in '87, so it was not like I was like prime watching time when these when like these women were doing great things. So yeah, I didn't discover this till after I started wrestling. And I was like, oh my God, like, how did we not know about this before? All the signs were there. Like she was throwing herself into the, the physical aspects of it. And she was so, so good at all of it as well. I mean, you consider some of the, yeah. the contemporary sort of on the, the women's manager scene, you have someone like Miss Elizabeth, who, you know, whilst was, you know, was, like- was very much the, the Lady Diana of, of wrestling in that era was was never going to get in there and and drop somebody really <laughs> there was I'm never, never going to go there and get on someone's back and scratch their eyes out with their like long ass nails right <laughs> maybe rip rip a skirt off during SummerSlam but that's about as far as we go uh, but with with Sherry Martel and that particular match then so it was one in France uh, that that these guys yeah. had quite a few of them so how to go in France apparently in Nice I think. Nice France. A moment, uh, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, uh, they, yeah, because it was some part of that that European leg they did back in the eighties. But there was, um, was there a moment from that match that, as you're sort of talking about it now, a spot, uh, a setup between these two that stood out to you? Yeah, so like, it's like I'm like, okay, this is pretty fun. This is pretty fun. I think it's like one of the first matches I watch of Rock and Robin too. Uh, so I'd seen a lot of Sherry at this point, but like. I'm like, oh yeah, Rock and Robin. I just remembered her kind of from those Survivor Series or multi-woman matches. Uh, so this was like one of the first one-on-one matches I've seen of hers. And uh, they did this like just super funny hammerlock or uh, sorry, full Nelson spot where it's like Rock and Robin kept getting the full Nelson on Sherry. Like she couldn't reverse it, couldn't reverse it, couldn't reverse it. And Sherry would get it on her and she'd reverse it right away in like a different couple different type of reversals. And finally she had it on and Sherry couldn't escape. So she climbed the ropes like with her feet. Right. And she's like, let her go make like, get her off, get her off, get her off. And rock and Robin's like, okay, it stops there. But big bump. And I was like, I'm sold. This match is awesome. <laughs> a, a, a fun knockabout match on a house show in Nice. Uh, when, when you were getting interesting, you say you were, uh, you, you remember Sherry Martel as a manager, but when you first discovered wrestling, who else was there that really jumps off the, jumped off the page for you? Like just in general or like yeah, women just in, just in general uh so like admittingly uh because like i started watching in like the early 90s uh so because like yeah i was like about four or five when i started watching so there wasn't a lot of women on like and i, I wwf was what i had available um, 
up here in Canada more. Like we got WCW a little bit later on, but like WWF was like kind of the main thing that we watched. And um, yeah, like definitely the hearts, you know, I'm Canadian. You have to say Brett and Owen Hart, obviously. Uh, and yeah, for, for, for when I was like a kid kid, those two in particular. And then like, as I got older, like Jericho and like Edge and Christian and like Eddie and, you know, Benoit and like just like all those type of wrestlers who and all the cruiserweights like Rey Mysterio to Jiri like Jamie Noble like those those type of wrestlers when I was a teenager when I was like oh maybe I could wrestle like those were the ones I would watch and uh yeah I try to like they are the ones who entertain me and if I'm like oh if I want to be a wrestler I want to be like that and like spanking Paul London like as I was getting into wrestling a bit more and like training and stuff Wrestling, um, wrestling very much feels like it's in the blood in Canada, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but like Vancouver is a uh, funny, you know, it really is like Vancouver. We have such a talented scene here and like we have a lot of talent that's come out of here, but people always think of Calgary, right? But uh, so I, we have a bit of a chip on our shoulder about that in Vancouver <laughs> where it's like everyone was like, okay, we get it. The hearts came from there. <laughs> but how about us? We're cool too. We're over here just being brilliant. Okay, we're going to talk about the hearts. That's fine. Whatever. That's fine. No problem. We'll just have our young, talented guys having fucking excellent matches over here don't worry about it let's talk about the hearts again <laughs> um, when you i remember in an interview you said that during the the almighty battle of canada that was bret hart versus owen hart you were pulling for owen always always i'm the youngest yeah. sibling always and like what well, it's funny watching back i think they're um i had really good taste when i was a kid obviously because like bret and owen hart are like to me the best from that generation still when i'm watching like who were like wrestling in wwf at that time um, but for completely different reasons, like they, they, if you like, they're everything you want in a wrestler, both of them, like Owen had that like character work. He had the athleticism. He could do mid card really easily. He could do main event very easily. And like Brett had that, like, this is a main eventer. And this is like the guy who's going to like represent your company and like that kind of serious, uh, presence to him. And like, obviously both their matches and mechanics are amazing too. And like their promo work and everything. Um, yeah, but Brett has something like I've never been able, like he takes himself seriously. And I mean that in a flattering way, not in a condescending way. And I've never been able to do that as a wrestler as well as that. So I really admire that trait in like a main event wrestler. Why do you feel you've never been able to take it as seriously as, as Brett? Because I'm just such a, I'm such a goofy fuck, honestly. <laughs> like, I would, like, it's like, I want to, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a serious wrestler. Even now, like coming back, I'm like, all right here we go. Like I've been practicing all this shit, like time to get real. I want to show everyone how good of a wrestler I am. But then I get out there and it's just like, Oh, it's so easy to just slip into being funny and comedic for me. So I just have to like, stop that like instinct of mine, I guess. <laughs> the phrase, the phrase I tend to use quite a bit is um, wrestling is at its best when it is inherently bollocks. And <laughs> I agree. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, that's where that's where I feel like I do my best work, at least <laughs> in the realm of the bollocks, as it should be um, with it was your dad that got you into wrestling, sticking you in front of the TV, watching it for the first time. Um, yeah, like with my brother, like my dad and my brother and stuff. Yeah. So um, what <laughs> what point did it did it become a case of you were watching it? You thought, actually, I want to do it. I actually I want to get in there and do this. I would say um, like, yeah, when I was a teenager. So when I got into high school, like. Not to not to date myself or age myself, but like about like 2001, 2002, 
like I was like I'm gonna do this like it wasn't like a oh I could do this I'm like yeah this is what I'm gonna do and I was like so then as I was like later in high school so like so I graduated in like 2005 so I remember like 2004 2005 I was like looking at like different universities and stuff to go to because I, I was a relatively good student in high school I got decent grades so I could have gone to like not scholarship or anything like that but I had the opportunity to go to different types of universities so I'm like oh maybe University of Calgary because I wanted to train with Lance Storm maybe because I didn't really know about the schools in BC so I was like to my mom I'm like yeah I think I want to go to the University of Calgary she's like oh who's paying for that I'm like hmm yeah I don't have any money <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> so she's like no you stay local and we'll help you pay for school if you stay local and I'm like all right what are some local companies and I've been going to like ECCW shows like indie shows around here at that point anyways so and so I just went through them instead and uh, that was a really good decision and don't regret it <laughs> sorry they're, Lance. They're, they're a big I, part. With you. <laughs> uh, I think he'll forgive you I'm sure I'm sure if he's listening <laughs> I've wrestled enough of his students. I'm sure that I'm sure me and him are on good terms. We follow each other on Twitter. We like each other's tweets. You know, yeah. I think we're on good terms. I think by that and resting his students, he probably picked up enough by osmosis anyway. So I think so. I think so. You basically, had a year of training with Ladstone, but you just haven't. <laughs> I could train him at this point. I think you, you know. know? I didn't want to say it, but I'm glad you did. I think you probably. Yeah. I'm sure you'd be fine with that. <laughs> Um, Thank you, yeah, Lance, you know, all <laughs> your fundamentals a bit. <laughs> so um, you were at high school and you decided, actually, I want to go to wrestling. Uh, you did, then didn't go to Calgary uh, for that. But when you were in high school, when you started there, and what were you working towards at that point if it wasn't wrestling? Uh, so, yeah, when I was in high school, I was like swimming. Like I swam competitively for about 10 years. And I played volleyball and stuff. So I was kind of hoping to do something active in university if it wasn't wrestling right away. Um, yeah, so I just like kind of graduated like with decent grades, went to university, uh, went into business for some reason. I don't know why I thought that was, I didn't, I didn't really know, right? I'm just like, I don't know, business, let's try it. And then I did a year of it. I'm like, oh, no, 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 that wasn't a good idea. Plus, I started training when I was going to my first year of university. So, like, just, like, my grades went down the toilet. Uh, so, I transferred to, like, a local college and did um, sports science for a bit. And then I transferred back to do kinesiology at a university. And then um, got a full-time job uh, with the city, which is the same place I'm working for, like, I still work for. And um, then after that, I'm like, oh, I like money a lot more than school. <laughs> so I'm going to stick to this job. And then I went to like an online, like recreation degree to like just get a degree, get a piece of paper. So, yeah, I took the I definitely took the uh, scenic route to getting a degree. It took me about 10 years because I just kept switching and like was working full time and stuff. What was your um, your your family's reaction then to, to to being in that mind of going from I want to go study in the University of Calgary to I'm good with school I'm just going to go work uh, work for the city. Like oh, I uh, so they were a little weird about it at first. So they were it was okay at first because it was like a temporary job. Uh, it was like a temporary full time job for someone's like maternity leave. Uh, I've done a lot of those clearly. Um, yeah, so they were okay at first with it. And then I told my dad, like I talked to my HR because I really thought, I don't know, once I did that, I'm like, I kind of want to stay in this field. I like it. 
So I just uh, kind of let them know, I'm like, the degree I'm in right now isn't really helpful to this field that I want to be in. So I'm going to work in this field and then I'm going to continue going to school. So it's cool. I think if I like totally dropped school, they would have like not been stoked about it. But because I was like continuing to go to school, it like wasn't so bad. Yeah, they were, they were happy enough that you were still plowing ahead with it and um when it came to when it came to finding out you know what this is the wrestling this is what i want to do i'm enjoying the city i'm enjoying working for parks and rec and i'm learning the wrestling ropes who was it that you went to to just to start the ball rolling on training oh like back when i like so i started training in uh late 2005 so a bit after i graduated high school and uh yeah i was going to a lot of eccw shows at that point so i just talked to a couple of the wrestlers um yeah, and this uh, guy named Memphis Reigns was the one who kind of was like, yeah, go for it. There's a new class starting in November, blah, blah, blah. So he helped me do that. And then, yeah, I got there on my first day. And yeah, this kind of goes from there. And I, I, like, I went to watch it. I think we were maybe watching a training or like, but I saw like Kyle O'Reilly, El Fantasmo, uh, Gurf Sierra from the Bollywood Boys. And uh, this, and Sid Silum, who is a local wrestler here. So the four of them were in the six months ahead of me. So I saw them like doing a training session. I saw them doing their debut match at that show before I went to my first training. And I was like, oh, they're all like my age. That's cool. And then uh, I started with uh, Veronica, who's like uh, Veronica Weiss, who I wrestled a ton and is my best friend now, uh, or what, became my best friend then and still is. And uh, Harv Sierra uh, of the Bollywood Boys as well. So the three of us plus other people were training. So we we actually have like a pretty like cool alumni here that people don't really expect, right? Because like Kyle moved to St. Louis like in 2009, 2010. And like El Fantasmo like moved to England a few years ago and then went to Japan. And then, you know, the Bollywood boys obviously were signed. So like, yeah, our like resume or our alumni here is actually pretty good. And we have Daniel Makabe who lives in BC as well. He didn't train with us, but like we, we have like a quite a like talented and successful group of wrestlers here. And like Artemis Spencer, who was like, unfortunately, you know, the pandemic kind of halted some of his momentum, but he was like defy champ. He went to the UK for that progress strong 16 show and did some rev pro shows and stuff and did PWG. Like he's a uh, from here as well. He started a couple of years before us and he's my husband. So just so I'm not like awkwardly <laughs> referring to him throughout the interview. When I refer to my husband, that's him. <laughs> I, was, I, I, I knew you guys were married, but I was waiting to drop it in. But you, I love yeah. that you jumped in anyway. Went, oh, he's my husband. Okay, that's fine. I can't. It's funny because he's our, all our nepotism, but I won't know. Yeah, just put it out there, right? And uh, I, um, I don't really always. I don't always mention him with like me and like, you know, me and the Sierras and like uh, El Fantasmo and Kyle because. He started actually a few years before us. He started training when he was 15. So even though he's our age, like I always think of him as like a little before us, even though him and El Fantasma went to high school together and they graduated and they were like best friends in high school. So yeah, so he's in that group as well. So there, there's a quite a few of us and it's like, oh yeah, I guess there are a lot of people who are from Vancouver who are all around the age of 35-ish who um, are doing okay in professional wrestling. 
this is why you say, you know, everybody talks about Calgary and Canada and they're all sleeping yeah. on, on, on Vancouver, for goodness sake. Yeah, what, what the fuck does Calgary have to offer right now, right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they have some talent. They haven't done nothing in years. How long are you going to ride on that heart reputation for? Like, <laughs> come on, guys. Like, produce. <laughs> There's some good talent there, too. But, you know, obviously... I'm gonna I'm gonna have a Vancouver chip on my shoulder about this. I like I like how within the first 20 minutes of this we've started fights with the Hart family and Lance Storm. Like this oh, is, this is so the best part is that one of my best friends is one of the Hart nieces, uh Lindsay Hart, and she is Allison Hart's daughter, and that's one of my best friends. So I'm always like, oh man, if she sees this, she's gonna give me so much shit. <laughs> I always seem to make fun of the Hart family for some reason on these, on these uh, interviews. I don't know why. I like them. Everyone I've met, I've liked too. <laughs> but it's, I, th- I think it's almost just like a thing where they're, they're so lovely and they're so good. It's like, of, of course, you have to take the piss a little bit. Like, well, yeah, a bit, right? That's what you yeah, do. What am I going to say? Everyone's great. That's not an interesting interview. Be like, oh, oh I love God. everybody. Whatever. You know, <laughs> who's going to watch that? Was it Memphis that trained you when uh, you started out? So that was him that turned oh, so, training at ECCW. So uh, at the time, it was Gorgeous Michelle Starr, who is um, he's sort of the like grandfather of BC wrestling, for lack of a better way to say it. So BC wrestling is actually pretty. I think you could probably appreciate this in the UK too, because uh, it's pretty young in the sense where like because you guys had like pr- a pretty big gap between like kind of world of sport and the modern era, oh, right? Oh God, there was like a, there was like the, the wasteland from, from exactly. the Lion King between world of sport and what we've got now. Like the elephant yeah. graveyard exists between there. It was a really weird time for like 10 so That's exactly how BC was as well. So we had all-star wrestling in like the eighties, seventies and eighties, and then nothing until like, late 90s maybe and like even the late night it was a rough start in the late 90s like it was just like an e- is ecw ripoff eccw very creative right so like it, it was a pretty it was pretty barren here for a long time the so star kind of kept it alive and like really gave a lot of us our start in wrestling uh so he was the beginner's trainer and then uh, Aaron Idol was my biggest influential trainer uh he was a guy who he was like a he was legally blind and you would never know it like how he wrestled and he was just amazing and like a huge like he really like was the only like kind of vet wrestler vet I use vet wrestler very um very loosely there because back then if you're five years in you're a vet right well like nowadays that's not really the case but it was just such a young scene that we're just like oh my god you've wrestled before you must know what you're talking about <laughs> uh, he was amazing Check out granddad over here he's had three matches <laughs> holy we're like oh 27 jesus christ this guy's old right <laughs> and nowadays i'm like no 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 that's really young that's really young actually. <laughs> it's a baby, a baby if you're 27 uh but uh yeah so he he was a guy who like he like gave us like dvds upon dvds of like noah and like roh and like new japan all japan like all the stuff right and he was like watch this study it so he was like super influential to like all of our group who like kind of got into that type of like indie japanese style of wrestling so like yeah so like you know in the and the kyle moved away really soon after you know, he was only here for a few years before he started traveling, but like, yeah, Idol was like his, one of his main trainers too. And like, you can see it in his early work, especially too, and where he progressed like from and to, 
Uh, yeah. So that, that was like, Arenado was kind of our main, my main influence, at least I don't want to say is everyone's. I'm sure everyone has a different main influence, but he was my main influence as a trainer originally. And uh, Scotty Mack was also a trainer. Uh, so those were the three who were my original trainers. And then um, there's like kind of a switch over in trainers about like six months, I think, into me, tra- me training. And I was like wrestling at that point because I was a woman and um, they just rushed us in. <laughs> They're like, oh, you know how to bump, have a match. It's like, dear, dear God, oh, how am I going to do this? See, that's, um, that's not the first time I've heard that where where there's been a training school where they've gone, okay, females are here, they can they can they can bump and they can do an arm drag. Quick, you're on the next show. Why are you? Whoa, that's that advanced, much? buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily for me, it was like me and Veronica were both pushed forward. Luckily for us, our first match was against Rebecca Knox, aka Becky Lynch. Yeah. A, a stint over here. So like she carried our asses so good. Like we would have been fucked if it wasn't her. So we got lucky with our first match for sure. Um, uh, so with that though, so so this is a, a really a really cool piece of, of trivia about yourself. Among so many, you've you've been everywhere and done everything, but you can always say that uh, the the first time you stepped to the ring was against Becky Lynch, who was because I know it's so cool. I always tell that to industry. So what was your what was um what was the interaction like that you had with with then Rebecca? Becca Knox when she came to oh, work she was amazing like so she would come to train as well where we were training because she was living in the area so like she she really helped me and Veronica a lot in the beginning because she was really excited to see women who were training and women who like wanted to be good and were like training hard because like we were training really hard and we like we weren't ready to wrestle when we did like because we only had like three two or three months of training but like we worked as hard as we could at that point right so it's like we were as prepared as we could have been with that much time but like we weren't ready to wrestle necessarily but we we did try really hard and we wanted to be good so she appreciated that she had one i just remember one match when me and veronica were first starting to train and we were helping out with the show and um i was doing like the lights at the entrance or whatever something like that so i was standing at the entranceway and she went out and had a, like, Becky went out and had a match against this girl. And, like, it was dog shit. Like, it was a terrible match. And no fault of Becky at all. Like, the person she was wrestling had no business being in the ring. And then uh, she came back. And I'm like, oh, like, how was it? And she's like, hurry the fuck up and get trained. <laughs> and her, like, heavy uh, Irish accent. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so not good. All right. <laughs> so yeah no she was awesome though and like she she was so helpful to uh, us and like she always like remembered like I, I know I, I've seen her obviously a variety of like a various times throughout our careers right and um she's doing pretty good for herself I think you know I think she's a uh, eh, she's doing all right right from like, last time I checked in <laughs> She's doing, she's doing okay, you know. Um, yeah. She's done good for herself. She's done good for herself. <laughs> You're gonna be a star one day, kid. Um, <laughs> I said that to her as she's carrying me in my first match. I'm like, oh, one day, one day, Becky, I think you'll be good. <laughs> uh, before we move on to our, our second match, I just want to ask one more question about Idol. Uh, is there, a, is there something that that he told you, or or, gave, or a piece of advice that he gave you that has stayed with you? Oh my gosh. Yeah. There totally is. This like feels like a lead in almost like we talked about this beforehand, but we totally didn't. No, no, no. Um, 
So one thing he said to me, and like, this is not as applicable now, I think, as it was back in 2005, 2006. Um, so he said to me, he's like, look, you're a woman in the wrestling locker room. You can either be a bitch or you can be a pushover. Pick your battle. And I'm like, bitch. <laughs> and then, so that's been my career for 15 years now. So that was really good advice, actually. <laughs> it's helped me out a lot. I can say it's solid, solid advice, solid advice. And, yeah, and I, I think that pl- applies to everybody. You know, we don't have to genderize it as much. We can say you can be an, you can be a jerk or yeah. a pushover. I don't know. We, we can, we can figure out a gender neutral way of putting that, but, it's just, a but trick it's, a it's just not being a pushover. I think it's so easy when in a, in a, in a business that's so led on big characters, it's easy just to find it easy to fall into the background. And when yeah. really, you know, you've got to have a little bit of self-belief and know your worth and, and, and push ahead a little bit and just and and, and call out nonsense and and yeah you'll fight your corner yeah and the nice nice thing that I'm finding now too it's like when I was younger it's like when I was starting there's a lot of us that were super young who were starting so like I mentioned all those people that I started with right we were all like between 18 and 20 like we were all like it was a very young group of people and um around here now I I find here at least like there's still the people who are like 18 19 coming in but a lot of the people coming in are maybe in their mid-20s sometimes so they kind of have a sense of like being you know standing up for themselves or being an adult or knowing what's up and they won't let people just like bully them basically so I think that that's really nice to see not that there's a lot of bullies around here in general I don't think much anymore well, some people might call me a bully. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, in, in general, though, I, I think like people that's just a lot more that's a lot more common for people to like stand up for themselves and be like, no, you can't talk to don't talk to me like that. Like, that's not cool. So uh, I, I don't know if that's the case in everywhere, but like around here, it's not as much of an issue as it used to be. I think since uh, last year, true, uh, all that went on in the industry then, I think now wrestling's coming back. And whilst I, whilst we are seeing a few, seen a few sort, of, sort of rats climbing back onto the ship, mm-hmm. um, on the whole, like I've been into a couple of locker rooms working announcer duties and the atmosphere yeah. is so much nicer. On yeah. The, such a more well, welcoming environment now. It's such a tough thing, right? Because it's like you, you want like the locker room and the environment to be as good as possible, but you also like, you try to deal with it internally a lot of the time. Right. And sometimes that doesn't work. So you have to come out to say stuff like how people did for speaking out. And that's necessary sometimes, unfortunately, it just sucks that unfortunately like wrestling and other entertainment industries, like don't aren't able to internally deal with people like that a lot of the time, especially ones who are in power or ones who are successful or whatever. And um, I don't know, I hopefully, we're able to do a little better job of regulating that where we don't need to have these like huge, you know, it shouldn't, we shouldn't have to do these huge speaking out movements or whatever. Right. Like it's like when we see that there's a bad apple, we should be able to remove it and move on with our lives. And like, it's it's like a lot of people have, like a lot of people do get removed that way. It's just like not enough people, obviously. And we don't do a good enough job. So yeah, it really, it really sucks that it came to that, you know? I think it was a. It, it kind of worked as a bit of a perfect storm because that happened in the same year that that all of wrestling was cancelled. 
Yes. Uh, and there's no threats on, there's no political uh, stronghold or strong army anymore. Uh, there's there's no threats of you won't work in this town again. Well, yeah. no one's working at the moment. So what does it matter? <laughs> He's an like, asshole. What can do? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe it had to happen during something like this where everything was on pause, you know? And I, I think also it's like, a lot of people were really work, not worked up is the wrong word, but it's just like, you know, we don't have our outlets. We don't have things to keep us going. Right. So it's just like, there's things that build up and it's just like, bleh, you know, and it's, um, yeah, it was just like a perfect storm. Like you said, I think. Just getting angrier. Well, <laughs> just getting angry. And then it all... <laughs> life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's go to your second match. So we've had <laughs> Sherry Martel and Rockin' Robin from Nice in France. Uh, what would you like your second match to be, Nicole? Uh, so this is a match I'm pretty sure I've seen before, before, shut, or before the lockdown or the COVID or whatever. Um, the COVID. The COVID. <laughs> No COVID, um, but it had been at least a decade since I've seen it. So I think it counts for my rediscovery of the last 18 months. Uh, Paul London versus Brian Danielson, two out of three falls ROH in 2004, I believe. Oh, that's a delicious choice. That is a- that Ooh, It is. I, okay. So like I am your average millennial. I don't have a great attention span sometimes, you know, and like that was a- 40 minute match that felt like it was 15 minutes when I was watching it. I was like, cause when I saw 40 minutes, I'm like, well, I love like, those are two of my favorite wrestlers. I'm like, all right, it'll be good. Like whatever. I'm not a big long match person, but like, it'll be fine. And then like, it just went by like that. Cause they're both amazing and great at what they do. And it was incredibly engaging. And I, I just loved it. I just love that match. Uh, so, so, this is something, did you say you watched this just before lockdown? You were just cycling through YouTube and you fell across this one. Yeah, I was just going through the, um, yeah, I don't know why. I think I was, I think I was on a poll. I, I, what I was doing was grabbing a wrestler and just like watching everything of theirs. Hmm. So 
I I think I was in between a Danielson and a Paul London binge. <laughs> it was a perfect storm because uh, those are, again, like I said, two of my favorite wrestlers. Like Danielson's my favorite wrestler of all time. I think he's the best wrestler of all time, in my opinion. Uh, so I can watch any of his era of matches, whether he's American Dragon, uh, Dick Heel Champion ROH, fucking like underdog baby face you know in WWE or like planets champion or like what he's doing now i know it's only been a second he's been in AEW, but i'm just like hell yeah we got we got american dragon back this is awesome so like i can watch him at any i think he's an amazing wrestler uh and so i was watching all his stuff and then yeah and then i'm like okay i'm gonna do a paul london one i don't know why this match didn't come up when i was watching all the uh danielson stuff but paul london's like i think paul london's an incredibly underrated wrestler um, people don't give him enough credit or talk about him enough, in my opinion. I think he's just extremely talented as, um, and like, yeah, so I was going, kind of going on a binge on that and I, and I discovered his, uh, delightful later run on his indie run where he was like coming out to, in a space suit and singing karaoke on his entrance, which was delightful in itself as well. So. <laughs> he was, uh, he was sat right there, uh, a year or so ago. Uh, when he was in the UK, he popped in to see us, and oh, uh, cool. he he was promoting a movie he's done. So it's, he's done a movie called Tiger Man. Oh, oh I saw clips of that. Actually. So it's like if Elvis, where Elvis Presley as a kung fu warrior saving saving the streets. It's like obviously amazing. Like why is there <laughs> And admittedly, they did say because he was himself and the director. And I said, just now, be honest with me, was this an idea that you had in the pub? when you were last in the UK and they said it might have been an idea we had in the pub because that's where all the ideas <laughs> come from when, you, when you're seven, seven or eight pints down you go what if Elvis Presley was, was a kung fu fighter <laughs> like, okay honestly all my favourite comedy right now I'm pretty sure that's how it's been done yeah so I'm like the best things have happened that way right like I'm watching like have you seen um, I Think You Should Leave Now um, it's on Netflix Oh, with, um, I've seen a bit of it. It's it's so oh, it's kind of sort of Tim and Eric esque, just daftness. If it's the one I'm it's thinking, amazing. Of. yeah, it's amazing. I'm like, how do people? I like, I'm watching it like laughing my ass off, crying, <laughs> and I'm just like, how do people think of this? I don't understand how anyone can think of this, but it's so funny. Or like Auntie Donna. Uh, have you seen yeah, Auntie? Yeah, like, Auntie like Donna. we're big wrestling fans, by the way, which makes them even better, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah, they were at, uh, they're from Melbourne. And they, uh, MCW, that's like the big promotion there. And uh, they did like a battle royal or Royal Rumble type of thing appearance there. And they're like in the crowd there a lot, apparently. Uh, Yeah, but like that's silly shit, right? I'm just like, oh, that's like you said, like seven or eight beers down. Being like, how about we have a talking dishwasher and it's a bad roommate? And we (laughs) kick it out. What the fuck? Who thinks of that, right? It's um, it, it it borrows from 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 one of my all time favorites, which is Monty Python. Mm-hmm. It's it's all very Python esque. It's just because it's they they them and Spike Milligan just sort of came up with this idea of what if we just like they. I think Monty Python said we love sketches, but we just we can't be bothered with the punchlines. So let's just do the sketch and let's just figure <laughs> a way out of it. And I think a lot of stuff, a bit like Auntie Donna and like um, I think you should leave now and very much with Tim and Eric. Like they they do these these wacky sketches and don't burden themselves with a punchline. 
Yeah, they're just like, whatever. People will find it funny if they don't. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> we move on. And then, and, and Paul London, just to go back to Paul London, you know, wrestling as a, as a spaceman singing karaoke, you don't need to pull oh the that. There was one match I watched. Oh, I forgot. I wish I remember who it was against. The match was fine. There was, no, there was like a good little match. Um, I think it was like a brawly type of no DQ match it turned into uh, just a small indie. I think a JT Dunn, maybe. Uh, it was just like a kind of a small indie on the in like the East Coast. And I swear to God, it was a four minute karaoke of him <laughs> in the ring. And like, and this was like not that long ago. So it was like pretty far removed from his WWE run. So like, there's no like, no one in the crowd being like, oh yeah, Paul London from WWE. You know, like, it's just like, you either know him and get what's going on or you're just like, I am so confused what the fuck's going on right now. And the, the mixture of it was just, it was money. It was, it was just, it was delightful. It was a delightful entrance. It was very much like watching like early years, Orange Cassidy, where like people are just like, what the fuck is this? And it was, I just love that shit so much. I wish I could do that to just like confuse people. <laughs> like, well, I think just try it. Cause you never know. Cause like if the, if the, if the fans in the room are with you, then it just completes it. Like to, to <laughs> one of the old yeah. uh, Vancouver alumni, El Fantasmo, um, I was, oh um, <laughs> I was he, oh, right. This is an amazing moment from uh, the, the promotion I announced for here in Newcastle. Uh, Fantasmo came, came over for that. And he was facing Carl Fletcher from Aussie Open. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like Kyle. They decided that halfway through the match, they were going to start going in slow motion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, LP's done that. Yes. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen do that. Him and uh, Ar- Artemis did that. Artie did that. Oh, oh so, and so you'll, you'll, you'll sit there. For, you said it before, but for me, I was like, this is ace because the, the, uh, the, the crowd for North, who are just so clued into what's happening, they start chanting in slow motion. Yes, that's they start amazing. Singing in slow motion, and I'm from behind the curtain. And I can see uh, a chap at the bar. Uh, his name's Colin. He's a regular, and he's at the bar ordering a pint in slow motion. And I'm just <laughs> this, it's sensational. This is but, it's inherently bollocks, and it's brilliant. Okay, so that is really funny. But imagine how much funnier it would be if he did that in front of a crowd that had no idea. <laughs> What to do? <laughs> that is so, funnier. That is funny. Right? If he went to like a fair show and like did that, right? Like <laughs> that—that's the height of comedy, right there. <laughs> that actually, is a lot funnier, and people just right? like, go, right? go, 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 go. Don't get me wrong; it's still really funny, you know. But it's brave to do that in front of like kids who are just like there with their John Cena T-shirts and shit. Like <laughs> that's bravery, right there. That's I—I I think you should leave comedy right there. You know, <laughs> that's what it needs to be. I really does. I, I'm gonna—I'm gonna tell them that next time I. Yeah, he's uh, back in Vancouver right now, so I'll uh, I'll be like, you know what? Let me give you a little uh, critique on your very successful <laughs> wrestling career right now, Alvin <laughs> You need to listen to me. The person who's what we should have should have done that instead. <laughs> yeah, if you could go back a few years and redo that match you did with Kyle Fletcher, don't do it there. <laughs> do it do it at a fair show, like the Sunday show the next day that you're at with like kids in the crowd or whatever. That'd be amazing. Uh, as we're getting back to normal, uh, as I say, you're you're back in action uh, this weekend. Weekend just gone. If you're just hearing this, um, but you, you're so well traveled. Uh, you, you've hit Australia. You've hit Japan. You've uh, you've you've been everywhere. Is there anywhere that you would like to still go and compete, 
or is there somewhere you'd like to go and revisit? I need to go back to Australia. So I think that the, I love basically every Australian I've ever met. I love Aussies. I get very, I have a very close connection with so many of those girls and like the guys too. Like, you know, um, I just like that scene is just so incredibly talented to me. And like they're who, like I want to pattern our scene after in Vancouver. It was when I look like Sydney in particular. And I'm like, we could be that. Let's be that. Because like we, they have the same thing we do, right? They have like a lot of super talented young people who, you know, maybe don't get the exposure that like someone would if they lived in New York or something, right? Or, but they are like hardworking. They're all like good people. And like, they have like, you know, trainers who like really, hammer out the fundamentals with them and like really create a cool community there. And like, I think that that's like, I love the Australia, the Sydney scene in particular, like I love Australian scene, but like there's people in Melbourne too, like Kellyanne who like, I think fucking mind blowingly amazing as well, but there's so many girls over there. So like Kellyanne, uh, Jessica, Troy, Charlie Evans. Um, I've never wrestled in either of the three of them and I would love to wrestle them. Uh, I think me and Madison Eagles have one more match in us that we need to do because when we wrestled and I loved all our matches, but I was like kind of a, like kind of like a young mid card heel almost. And I think like now how I am as a worker, like we could have a different type of match than we had at shimmer or the four matches that we had at shimmer. And um, like, I just think we have another banger in the, in the tank. And like, you know, Shaz and Mackenzie too, like me and her, we, we've wrestled once and I think we could have, we, I'd love to have another match with her. Um, there's a couple like, uh, unfortunately, I guess for me in this uh, dream scenario, uh, um, Indy Hartwell and Steph Dillander already, they live in Orlando now with NXT. So unfortunately not wrestling with them, but yeah, I think, I think the women in Australia are just like effing amazing. So I would love to go back to Australia to in particular to wrestle like Kellyanne, Jessica and um, Charlie, because I haven't wrestled them yet. Yeah, there's so there's so much talent over there. I'm just keen to see everything get back opened up and just everybody everybody go for it again. Even like they're shut down right now, which really sucks. But when they were like open for that bit Mm. and like just like watching the shows they were putting on, I'm like, and that's when we were like completely shut down and stuff. And I was like, oh, my God. I would kill to be over there to like wrestle all these girls. Like I loved, I just love watching them all wrestle. I think they're like, I think there's a thing, unfortunately with like women's wrestling sometimes in some areas where there's that kind of lowered expectation thing. And it's like, I think people, people aren't as critical of women's wrestling as maybe women's wrestlers as like they could be uh, because like maybe, you know, and probably for very good reasons, like they want to like seem supportive or they want to like support women's wrestling. But I think sometimes when we don't hold women's matches to the same standard as men's matches, it kind of gets people to be complacent and not as good as they could be. And um, I don't see that in the UK scene. I don't see that. And I don't see that in the Australian scene. And there's like pockets. I don't see it in like the North American scene as well. But like, I, I wish everyone, I wish all the scenes were held to the same standards as those scenes when it comes to women's wrestling. Yeah, because I think that, and I've certainly felt this, uh, that when there are women's matches that don't hit the mark, there's almost a fear sometimes yes. of speaking against it. Because you're like, whether you're branded as sexist and not supportive, it's like, well, no, totally. 
I just I'm saying I'm calling it as it is. And if it's yeah. a great match, then of course it's a great match. But if it's not, know, like, even like me, like I can't even say if it's like if I don't think a match, like I wouldn't, I don't go on Twitter and be like that much is trash or whatever. Mm. But like even like I've had instances where I've been like accused of not being supportive of women because I'll give them critique, you know, and, and, and that's very few and far between. And most of the women in BC are awesome and they would, they are, that's not them. Uh, but just like in general, you know, and it's just like, well, no, I'm just like giving honest critique, but because there's that, like, I don't know. It was just like, like there's a difference to me between equality like, like people want equality, but I'm like, okay, but if you're asking me to give you special treatment, that's not equality, you know, like, cause like I train, like I, I'm a, you know, trainer and I've trained like probably close to 50 people now. Right. And I'm giving the same type of critique to everybody. Like I'm not picking and choosing who I give critique to. I'm not giving worse or harsher critique to people, you know? So it's, it's just like, it's an inter- it's interesting. It's interesting. I think it comes down to personality type and it comes down to like online people, you know, people are trying, they don't want to, su- they don't want to appear like they're not being supportive. Right. But like, sometimes you got to call a spade a spade in my opinion. And like, sometimes it's okay. It's okay to say like, yeah, that match didn't hit the mark. Like that was sloppy. This was sloppy. That was sloppy. Right. And it's like, I think that should be okay to say um, if someone's like, automatically like oh that was trash because it was a woman's match like obviously that's not okay but like I, I don't know it's, it's a it's an odd time and I, I'm just a very critical person of my own work so I guess like I expect other people to be like that as well and sometimes they're not so you just want people to hold their wrestling standards to the same height that you do yeah for sure and I think uh and I again I think a lot of people do like I don't think it's a it's not like an epidemic of people not no. like critiquing themselves or whatnot. And I think you see that in, again, like I said, the UK women's scene in particular, or the Australian women's scene, or like, I haven't been like keeping up that much, but the Texas women's scene, I think was like really banging there. I think it still is. Like, I think they're all traveling a lot around a little more, but there's like a really good core group of girls who came out of there who were like just putting on match after match. That was really good. So like it, it exists, like it's not like I'm like, oh no, all women's wrestling sucks right now or anything like that. There's a ton of amazing women's wrestling. I just feel like sometimes like some matches aren't, like sometimes they're given a pass, right? And it's just like, I don't know. It's like, it's a, it's a little disappointing to me sometimes as someone who's like lived through 15, 16 years of this now not to age myself once again. I'm, I'm a young person guys. Like I started when I was like 10, I'm like about 24 now. It's fine. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah. So like, that's just um, something I've observed throughout uh, just throughout the last few years, you know, of uh, yeah. I think like, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to verbalize without sounding like I'm, I'm not trying to bash anybody. I just think, no, uh, no, no. It's, it's, and it's how it should be. It should be yeah. a case of if something's good, then we call it good. And if something's not, we call it not. And it's, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Twitter just seems the social media in general just seems to be these two extremes of, yeah, that, I think, if you if you disagree, yeah. then you're wrong or everything's yeah. awful. Shut up. You're fanboys, etc. Like <laughs> very black and white for sure. Someone in some middle ground there, you know, anyway, and, and it's not just, um, 
I, I shouldn't just point out women's wrestling. I think um, some areas definitely for uh, a little, very politically incorrect way to put it. I think there's a lot of circle jerking amongst uh, wrestlers sometimes yes. <laughs> where it's like, wow, we're so awesome. And I'm like, okay, like, what are you watching? Like that clip you just posted, like, dude, that was trash. Like, go, go, go fucking work on that. Like go to the ring, man. So it's just like, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a problem throughout. Obviously I'm just more sensitive to it when it's women's wrestling. Cause I see it. And then when I see a, tra- like a, when I see a clip of like sloppy ass wrestling and people are like, what a banger this match was. And I was like, are we watching the same clip? That was trash. Like, what are we talking about here? You yeah. can't say that. You can't say that. You just have to. But then I can't. Yeah, I can't reply and be like, "This is poor. This is bullshit." Like, can you imagine? Like, just getting blackballed immediately. Like, right when wrestling's back, <laughs> it's like, "Oh, Nicole Matthews is a complete bitch." <laughs> like, no one book her. <laughs> you, you are. You are, as you said at the beginning. There, you're. You're training now, and you're. So you've come. You're. You're doing the full circle thing where you. You know, you've been through your training. You've been around the world. Yeah. And now you're 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 giving it back as well. Uh, training school that you started as as the world was shutting down. That's bad timing. That's that's so bad timing. <laughs> so we, we were training. It's funny though because like the group. So there's like four of us who are the trainers there. It's me, Artie, uh, Billy Swade, and Tony Baroni. And um, we've all been wrestling for like 15 plus years. Like we're, we've all been around the area for a long time. Um, we were the trainers of a previous school. Um, but we, it wasn't really our school. Like we we're doing all the training and doing all that, but we weren't doing like the business end of things. And then when like the world shut down and everything, and then we trans, uh, transitioned to doing our own school and then, uh, the world shut down. So that was good. Uh, but, uh, it was cool. Cause our, Art, our, got to build a ring, which he's been wanting to do for years. Cause he's a structural iron worker by trade. So very talented man, that guy. Uh, so he built a wrestling ring, which was cool. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been going great though. It's a uh, yeah, and like you know, uh, Artie's been training for. He actually took over my training uh, back 15 years ago, which shows how young the scene was because he was only four years into wrestling at that time. <laughs> Lead us, you've done four yeah, years. It's like blind leading the blind a little bit, right? We're all just like, we're children, all of us. Um, so he, he's been a, a trainer here for like fifth, like 14, 15 years now. And I've been, um, I started training, like I would always help him out before because uh, we've been like together for 15 years now. Uh, so I would like help him like assist, but I didn't really become like a trainer myself until like maybe like seven or eight years ago. Like I, the Voros twins were kind of my first like class that I tr- was a trainer at for. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, so we've been all doing it for a bit and like Tony and Swade followed me soon after into like training people. So yeah, I know it's been, it's been great. It's been like, we all really like it and um, we have a awesome group of people here. Um, like I yeah, can't like, I, we just, we've been blessed with a very, very talented and very, gracious and grateful group of people i'm fascinated by the voros twins oh they i okay do you know how much how much like clout for lack of a better word i get for like at work i work with like a but like i supervise a bunch of like really like you know like 18 19 year olds who are like all on tiktok or whatever and they're like oh like they said something like one of them was talking about 
TikTok, they were like doing it to like research for dance classes or something. I don't know. I don't know TikTok very well. I know what the Voros do on TikTok. That's about it. Um, and they're talking about TikTokers from BC. She's like, yeah, I just found out the Voros twins are from Vancouver. Do you know who they are? And I'm like, yeah, they're wrestlers. And she's like, what? I'm like, I trained them to be wrestlers. <laughs> and she's like, that's so cool. I'm like, all right, cool. I got some cred. Yeah, they're hilarious, though. They are very fascinating. They're as fascinating as real in real life as they are on TikTok. Oh, man. I've, I've messaged them to, I've reached out to them to come and do this show because I feel like I'd like to tell their story a little bit more as well. Um, because they very much remind me over here, there was, there was a set of twins on X Factor called Jedward. And okay. there's there's a lot of comparisons that we draw, but like they're as you say, they they they've got this massive following through TikTok, and it's just and that's a whole world, isn't it, Nicole? That that is is quite alien. I'm I'm learning it through work, but it's a whole different ballgame, isn't it? Like when we talk about stuff like that, that shows my age immediately. I'm just like, um, I stopped learning at Instagram, and that's, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Even like the Snapchat was like a step too far for me. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get what the point of this is. And then like, yeah, TikTok came along. I'm like, no, nope, got nothing, got nothing. So you say you've you've trained uh, you've you've trained a fair amount of people now. Um, what what is there that you're teaching? Uh, your students that you wish you had been taught as you were coming through? Um, You know what? Like I had, again, like for as young as maybe my trainers were, not star, but like, you know, Idol or Scotty, like I think like we, I got really good training, honestly. Like I loved training. Um, It was a lot like when like Artie took over, it was a lot of like blind leading the blind maybe, but like it was good quality and it was like just a really good environment. Um. I like that I'm able to experience I've had throughout like my career, like of traveling and stuff. I'm glad I'm able to bring that forward and to talk about that. Um, I'm glad I, um, I don't know, it wasn't really like a lot of character work type of stuff. I, I don't do like a lot of character work in my, okay. So one thing I really do like that I do at training that I think would have been nice to have is like, I try things at training that I'm not necessarily great at when I'm leading training. So I'll be like, okay, guys, we're doing a warm up thing. We're going to do like a back roll into a handstand and then like flip over whatever I'm saying it. Cause I probably won't be able to do it that well, but like 95% of you athletic Fox will be able to do it. So that's good, <laughs> you know, but like, I don't mind failing in front of them when I'm training stuff, because I think it's really important to keep learning. If you just do all the things you're good at all the time, you don't learn. Right. So like, like I, I'm glad I can kind of show that I don't know, humility and not humility, but just like being like, okay, we're all here learning together. Like I really like creating that type of community uh, in my training sessions. So yeah, it kind of probably would have been nice to have that. And um, I, I think it's like cool to just be like a female trainer and not make a thing of it. Like we never just like female trainer, Nicole Matthews, who just does female classes. Like, it's just like, I'm a trainer at the school. I train on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I'll come on Thursdays for Artie's class sometimes, but like these are the days I train and like people come to my class and we just do normal class. Like it's not like a weird, you know, like it, it, we don't make a thing of it. It's just like how it is. And I like really enjoy that. And like, I've never been, again, credit to the people that we train in, in our environment and our community here, but like I've never been disrespected for being a female trainer. 
Um, no one's ever been like, well, what do you know? Or like went to like one of the male trainers for something rather than me because they didn't trust what I said or something. Like there's never been that. So like, I think that's really cool. And I really like that about here. Uh, let's get to you. We'll get to your third and final match. But before we yes. do, I'd like to throw this upon people. It's not bad, I promise. Um, we, as well as taking wrestling matches, you're allowed to take with you. Uh, and I'd like your first answer for these. Uh, a movie, an album, and a luxury item. Uh, a luxury <laughs> item being like something with sentimental value or something, you know, a bit of tech or a gadget you can take with you for the island. We'll get to that at the end. But first of all, a movie. What movie would you take, Nicole? Ooh. Um, okay, I really like really dumb comedy movies. That's like my, <laughs> as we were talking about like other comedy stuff. Um... Uh, all right. What's my, I don't know. I think my go, actually, you know, I'm going to go with a little bit of a rom-com, uh, 10 things I hate about you. It's always like an easy watch for me. And I really enjoy that movie a lot. Nice. Okay. Okay. How about an yeah. album? What album would you take? Uh, Outcome the walls by Rancid. Oh, very nice. What, what's yeah. uh, what's a song to listen to, um, to, to, to get you pumped before a match from that album? Uh, so they, there's like three songs. If you listen to the album, like how it is, there's three song. There's a three song row there, which is amazing. It's um, uh, sorry, Roots Radical, uh, Time Bomb, and then Olympia Washington. Like those, like those three, four, and five on the album. Amazing run of songs. So uh, th- those, those three for sure. I used to come out to, it wasn't on that album, but one of my theme musics in Vancouver was on the indestructible album spirit of 87. And that was a, so like, if I want to put like an old theme music on to get pumped up, I'll put that on. See, he's a big fan. Lars is a big fan of wrestling as we've discovered. Yeah. See, I'm not cool enough for like Rancid to know who I am though. Like I wish I was as cool as like Ruby, Ruby Soho. Like what the fuck? I'm so jealous of that. I'd be so mad right now. <laughs> but she's like, you know, like effing amazing and the best and like the nicest person ever. So like, whatever. <laughs> it's nice seeing good things happen to good people. Amazing. Like one of my favorite matches was against her in a shimmer. It was like a 10 minute match. Super simple. It was in Texas, like for mania weekend for this spirit or shimmer, heart of shimmer, sorry, heart of shimmer championship. And, um, it was just a super fun match and we put it together in like two minutes. And one of my, one of my favorite matches I had a shimmer. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, and a luxury item. What would your luxury item be, Nicole? <sighs> like a winemaker or something I could bring. I don't know. I'm trying to trying to be practical here. Bring a winemaker. I don't know. Some sort of that, you know, like something. wine for you whilst you're on the island. I just I love it. I love red wine. So um something that actually exists, probably like I don't know, my laptop with like unlimited power, maybe. You can take your laptop. I mean we can we can find a winemaker. We can fashion something. If we could make a winemaker, I'll take that. But if like if that's not realistic, I'll take my laptop. What uh, what type of red is Nicole's favorite red? <laughs> Whatever's in your hand right now, uh, <laughs> apothic. <laughs> nice, nice. It was a tough day at work, guys. Okay, I, I deserve this. <laughs> that bottle was was full when we started. I don't know if it was. That's, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Oh, it was. 
<laughs> no, it wasn't. It was. I'm kidding. It was halfway. <laughs> oh, let's do another hour and get battered. Uh, yeah. <laughs> your third and final match, then, Nicole. Uh, what was we had? Uh, Sherry Martell and Rocket Robin. We mm-hmm. had um, your second match. Well, it's four. Brian Jackson and Paul London. That's it. All right. We didn't talk about the match at all, by the way. We're just talking about yeah, Paul London. Hey, look, we know it. We know it's great. It's a forty-minute banger. That's all. Yeah, 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 yada yada yada. The match is great. Paul London came out to karaoke ten years after that, and it was amazing. That's <laughs> it. That's it. The match is merely a device to make sure that we stay on wrestling. That's the secret of this show. Exactly. Uh, what would your third and final one be then? All right. So this one, I, if I ever am in a bad mood or if I'm like, oh, I'm feeling down about whatever, this is like, I think might be the perfect comedy match, maybe. And it's just delightful. It's Chuck Taylor in Orange Cassidy versus Dick Justice and Colt Cabana from Beyond Wrestling. And it's just, it's just a, it's just a delight of a match. You know, it's just, it just makes me smile every time I watch it. There's, I discover something funny every time I watch it. It's like, it's just bell to bell, bell to bell laughs. And like, usually comedy matches kind of like, you know, go off the cliff at one point where it's like, oh, it's funny for the first like five minutes. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. We get the joke. Like this one was just nonstop jokes. And it was, it was really good. It was like, and like Cabana is like a really good comedy wrestler, but he's also a super good straight man in comedy matches. And like he, he did a really good job in this match of being, the straight man and like Chuck Taylor was kind of the straight man as well, but like, it was, it's just an amazing comedy match. And it's like, if I'm ever in a bad mood, I'm just like, yep, put that bad boy on and let's, let's get in a good mood. Tell me a moment from that match that, that you always know is coming that always makes you smile. So again, like there's something like, it's just the whole match is like wall to wall hilarious, but like the funniest spot is like, so the beginning is the very beginning is like sets the tone where like Chuck Taylor and Cabana, they do like an actual spot, like a really good, clean, like spot da, 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 type of spot. And then they tag out to Cassidy and to uh, Dick Justice and they repeat the exact same spot, but in slow motion. And like, they can't, they're like in a lazy form and they can't quite get over. Like they were doing a, for example, like there's at one point where like Chuck Taylor like avoid something from Cabana, climbs on the second, does a backflip off the second and like stand off or something like that. So like what Dick Justin's Orange Cassidy do is like, you know, Orange Cassidy lazily gets to the second rope and Dick Justin's like bends over. So like Orange Cassidy's going to do like a lazy back roll off him instead of doing a backflip. It's just, it's just very, very funny. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not doing it justice at all. You just need to watch the match. And it, it's just, it's just a really really funny match and um there's like at the end where you know, orange chassis like drinks the orange juice and like spits it in i, I forget if it was uh, dick justice or colt cabana's eye when uh chuck's holding him and they both just looked at each other like it worked and they just all both start celebrating that it actually worked that the guy didn't like duck and like he didn't hit chuck taylor and then they tried it again and then he ducked and hit chuck taylor obviously but it's just it's a del- it's a delightful match and it's like I'm like this might be the perfect comedy match I think I think this is the perfect comedy match so and I I love comedy so <laughs> that's well that's that's your your you know you you very much pride yourself on being a, 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 you can be a serious wrestler but a comedic wrestler as well and it's all about the time and it's all about the energy that comes from that 
So. I always looked at Shimmer. If anyone ever like had no contacts and they just watched Shimmer straight through, that like, I was probably the most schizophrenic wrestler ever. Where like one set of tapings, I was like super serious, like throwing fire in Madison Eagle's face, and one set of tapings, I'm like I'm the Shimmer Taker. <laughs> it's just like, you don't know what you're gonna get. You don't know what you're gonna get. It could be something different every time. That's the that's that's the that's the wonder of wrestling is getting stuff like that. Uh, how how surprised were you? Because uh, you know you we followed the career of Orange Cassidy for so long. How surprised have you been to see Orange Cassidy be Orange Cassidy on on a, a mainstream wrestling level? It's been a surprise, hasn't it? It's like a bit of a surprise, but like I also really you know when we we're talking about the comedy earlier, like Auntie Donna, and like I think you should leave, and like to a, maybe a lesser extent, like a John Mulaney type of thing. Where like these are comedies that I found very funny that I wouldn't assume everyone would find funny, but most people do find them funny because they're funny, right? So it's like kind of like Orange Cassidy. Like I've always like was a huge fan of Orange Cassidy and thought he was so funny. And then it's like, yeah, that makes sense. If I find it funny, other people are gonna find it funny too. So I'm more surprised, I'm less surprised he's over and more surprised that they're and pleasantly surprised that there is an opportunity for him to be over, that there's a company that would let him be showcased in that way. And like, cause obviously that would never happen in like WWE because that's just not the environment that would work. But like AEW has like really found a good balance, I think, between coming off as like a mainstream promotion, but also letting, you know, these, these guys have their creative freedom and like being able to get over how they know how to get over because they're professional wrestlers. So like, I'm a little more surprised at that, that there was actually an opportunity for him to get over rather than being surprised that he's over. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. And, uh, we, we are excited to see what he does. And more than anything, we're excited to see Nicole Matthews back in the wrestling circuit now. So uh, it's, this it's the, the 15th of September when this interview is going out. So it's a, uh, it's a Wednesday oh, night. Sorry. So I've had two banger of a matches at this point. Two brilliant matches. Five brilliant. stars. Five stars. Five stars. Tokyo five. Dome. It's been brilliant. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Uh, so my first match is against Veda Scott, who I've never wrestled before. We wrestled each other in a tag match um, at Shimmer, me and Portia versus uh, her and Shazza McKenzie. And, um, my favorite part of that match is that I was the tallest person by about six inches in that match. So I got to be like big man. So that was really fun. Um, but that was like nine, eight, nine years ago. Like that was so long ago. And I think that's the only time me and her have ever shared a ring together. So it's, it's been a really long time coming, you know, like we both are just always heels wherever we wrestled each other. So, and just never interacted. So yeah, that should be really fun. And then the, the match I'm like really looking forward to that's a really long time coming is me and Daniel McCabe, which we have uh, both, again, we both live in Vancouver. We both have been wrestling for over 15 years. You know, we, um, it's kind of a long time coming this match. And I think we have very, very um, contra, like we have complementary styles to each other. Um, I don't usually get to bust out my technical wrestling so much, but like when I'm training, can I just tell you how frustrating it is that like no one cares about my technical wrestling? 
ever. It just, they're just like, oh, you're funny. And I'm like, I know I'm hilarious, but like, let's focus on my arm drags. You know? <laughs> uh, it's a curse. It's a curse of being entertaining, I guess. But like, it's, uh, I like, I work really hard at like being good at wrestling, <laughs> like technical wrestling. So I'm but really excited. That's because to then you can put your energy into being an entertaining performer. Once you know, once you've got the basics there, I think a lot of people forget the fact that you've got to get the basics down. Totally. Or anything else. Well, hey, look at like what we were talking about comedy wrestling earlier. Look at Chuck Taylor. Look at Orange Cassidy. Look at Cole Cabana. Like these guys are like fundamentally sound wrestlers. And that's like selling them short by saying that. They're like all very technically gifted. But like comedy wrestling is a lot harder than people think it is. And I'm not a comedy wrestler like they are necessarily, but I can do comedy wrestling. Um, You have to be good at wrestling first before you're good at comedy wrestling. You can't just like be shitty at wrestling and be like, you know what? I'm just going to do comedy instead. Like you have to have like the actual fundamentals of wrestling down in order to get the comedy in, in there as well. Um, so maybe I'll do that with Veda a little more, more comedy, but uh, with Makabe, I'm really looking forward to like mixing it up with him. Cause we, we train together uh, like often enough and stuff. Like we, we go, we both uh, train with uh, Artie uh, at the snake pit that shoot, he does a shoot fighting class. Uh, so we're both there a lot and paired off. So yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think, uh, I think it's going to be really good. And I think it's going to, um, it won't be surprising for his fans. I don't think, but I think for like people who are fans of mine, I think they'll see a bit of a different side of what, how I usually wrestle. So if people want to find out more about uh, the dojo, where can they go to do that, Nicole? Uh, so we have a website, uh, lionsgatedojo.ca and uh, Lionsgate Dojo on Twitter and Instagram as well. You can see some pretty sweet clips of uh, some cool training stuff we do. And uh, if you're in the BC or Vancouver area in general, yeah, uh, hit us up, uh, lionsgatedojo at gmail.com. And to, if you're interested in a tryout, we'll probably have one in the late fall right now. We just started our new class in August. So it won't come around for a bit, but like, yeah, late fall, we'll have another tryout. And if people want to find out where you're going to be next and, uh, and, and see what you do and support what you do, how can they do that, Nicole? Uh, N Matthews Ninja on Twitter. Uh, I came up with that handle before Twitter was really a useful marketing tool. Uh, probably would have gone with Nicole Matthews Wrestling <laughs> if I could go back in time, but here we are. Um, so N Matthews Ninja is my uh, Twitter handle and my Instagram handle. Um, on my Instagram, I usually put like the graphics of the match. Um, it's the exact same promo pic uh, in all of them because I've taken one promo pic in five years that I like. And that's the one that's on all the graphics right now. So if you go on my profile, it's just the same graphic over and over again. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so there. So I have uh, NEW uh, this weekend um, against Veda, uh, Daniel McCabe. I have 365 Wrestling, which is on Vancouver Island against uh, Nolan James, who's a local wrestler there. And then I'm doing a Lucha show in Vancouver with um, Cobra Kai. I, I don't know if he has an official wrestling handle but it's a lucha show i don't know what it's about yet i'm gonna show up uh, i've been working on my moonsault so i think i should be okay uh you know i've been doing a couple lucha spots in the pandemic so 
Yeah, I think I'll be okay on that show. You say you did lucha spots during the pandemic. I kind of. Oh you, yeah. Oh, me and Artie have been going. So Artie head scissor takedown on the dustbin. What? I mean, how? No. Okay. So we went to the ring to do it. We're not doing it like in the apartment or anything. Oh, okay. I was gonna say <laughs> weird apartment wrestling or some shit like that. We've been going to the ring to the training ring, and uh, he and uh, Artemis is a huge fan of lucha libre wrestling. I'm usually not a huge fan of it, but. Uh, you know, you relationships are about compromise. So when we're doing, when we're training, you know, we have to do give and take. So he wanted to work on his basing for a couple of things. And I'm like, perfect. Cause I'm not a very good flyer. So you're going to really have to base a lot. So yeah, I, on my Instagram, I have a couple of clips of us doing some, like I do like run up power bombs into head scissors. It's crazy. I look like a really good flyer in these clips. I'm not that good of a flyer, but I look really talented in these clips. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going along to, to, to the Lucha show or if you're going along to any of the shows, uh, please make sure that you take time to compliment Nicole Matthews on her fly yeah. and more yeah. importantly, her Wait. arm drags. Yeah, my arm drags. And like, if you could like really take notice of my, um, my waist lock takedowns, that'd be <laughs> just, just a general, just compliment my wrestling. It's like, yeah, I'm funny and entertaining, but compliment my wrestling, you know, once in a while. Unless it's shit, in which, because, you know, equality. Don't compliment and tell me I'm shit on Twitter and say, you're the worst wrestler ever and you need to work on this. I don't want fake compliments, guys. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.